Thank you for downloading this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We pray that you receive encouragement from the study of God's Holy Word and that you will grow in the faith and understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, well, before I really get into the message, we're starting the message, by the way, but I'll say that I want to give credit to somebody who really influenced a lot of what I'm going to say. And I don't think many of you, I don't know if any of you have had the opportunity to meet this man. His name is R.T. Kendall. And he has, he's written some books on this topic, and he's spoken on this topic, and it caught my attention. Uh, so I hope to represent some of what he brought out and then other things the Lord laid in my heart. And certainly the prophetic words this morning uh, were remarkably consistent with the message. And you can evaluate that yourself as I go through. Okay? But I want to give you a sense of who R.T. Kendall is. My dad likes to joke with R.T. Uh, R.T. is about 83 years old, and he is a, uh, no longer a pastor, but he travels and he preaches quite a bit. And I think he's written... 80-something books. It's almost one for every year of his life. And uh, he's just, a, he's a very kind man. He's, he and Pastor Frank, well, they'll, they like to pick on each other. And they'll see each other across the room, and they go, they point at each other, and they start to head toward each other, and then they throw these barbs out. I can't believe you made it in the country. I can't believe you made it out of the country. And they start going at it, you know? And they have this kind of this peculiar relationship and I've had been fortunate to sit down with R.T. and his wife in a, in a larger group for dinner several times over several years. I wouldn't say that we're friends, but I, I, I can say that we are really good acquaintances, if that makes sense. Right? And I'm setting this up. I just want you to have a sense of who this guy is, because every now and then my dad will say, I meet some really... Uh, he'll come back and he'll share when he preaches, and he'll say, I meet these preachers that... Uh, are really heavy hitters in the kingdom of God. And I don't know that we always understand that. So I want to show you a picture of R.T. Kendall's former congregation. Go ahead, Mike. R.T.'s preaching there, and he's gone back. And this is Westminster Chapel in England. It's a very influential church in England. And uh, he, was, I, he was there, I think, for 20-something mm, years or something like that. And over the years... He's had different people come in and speak, and he really knows a who's who. He's talked to the queen a number of times. He's met a number of people, Yasser Arafat, and a number of other folks. And uh, well-known preachers have gone into that church and spoken at his invitation. And uh, to give you a sense of the caliber of preachers that would speak at RT's invitation, let's look at the next slide. Recognize that guy? That's RT sitting down looking up at Billy Graham. So I just wanted to share this as a testimony to say when we send Pastor Frank out, and we know he's Pastor Emeritus here, but when we send him out, he hangs out with a lot of these guys on a regular basis, and they have this kind of affinity, affinity to, toward each other. In fact, there's a really funny story that my dad and R.T. will pick on each other for. And my dad and R.T. have a differing of opinion on one particular topic, and uh, R.T. said, well, I'll send you a book. And my dad said, I wrote a book. I'll send you a book. So they start going back and forth in this. And my dad sends R.T. a book. And I think he, he spent, whatever, 18 bucks, 18.95 for this book. And R.T. sends my dad a book. And it was like $2. Well, that's like, that's like ammunition for my dad, you know. Hey, I send you an expensive book. What do you send me? You know, so they go back and forth. Anyway, just a little, little, little fun trivia there. For this message. Now, what I want to do is I want to start off with a story. Some of you have heard this story, but it really sets the table well for where we're going. There was an unruly boy, a little boy, I don't know, eight or nine or whatever he was, 
and he really wanted a new bike. So this unruly boy went to his parents and he said, Mom and Dad, can I have a new bike? And they said, boy, you've been really unruly. I don't know. We'll see if you act better. So he tried to act better, and over uh, some time, he thought, well, maybe I've been good long enough. So he went to his parents, and he said, can I have a new bike now? And they said, you've still been unruly. We're not ready yet. And he said, well, how about if I try again? And they said, all right, we'll try to act uh, better again. And he tried, and over a period of time, he went back to his parents, and he said, can I have a new bike now? And they said, no, you still haven't acted very well. So he found a statue of Mary. And he took the statue of Mary to his room, he put it in his box under a bed, and he wrote a note, Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again. <laughs> He's building a case. Right? This little boy's building a case. I used to have a job in my former life where I would have to build the case for a lot of the work that we would do. And a lot of times I would have to do it with numbers. You know, whatever the business problem was, I would have to find some sort of way of putting it to, to a number form to show that we had a problem, and then a number form to show how we were going to get out of the problem. And we build cases, all of us build cases on a regular basis. Do you remember being a little boy or a little girl trying to build a case for your parents why you should get something, or why you shouldn't get something? You know what I'm talking about, don't you, Joe? <laughs> Or maybe at work, you want to get a, maybe you want to build a case for a promotion, or maybe you want to build a case, whatever. So we build cases. And this morning, I want to build a case. And we're going to let the scriptures do a lot of the talking today. I think they're, they're fairly clear. But I want to build a case for something. Okay, you with me? All right, let's look at the first slide. This is 2 Corinthians 11, 3 through 4. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning of the ways of the serpent. You happily put up with what anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. These people are false apostles. Now here's where I stop. The first step in building our case this morning is looking at what Paul's saying here. He's saying there are false apostles, false teachers, and they're going to say different stuff. You tracking with me here? And they are, they are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of the light. So they disguise themselves, and Satan, he also disguises himself. So the first step in building a case our case this morning, we're looking and we're saying, hey, sometimes there are people in churches that teach crazy stuff. You know what I'm talking about? But that shouldn't surprise us because even the devil tries to look good. You know, just because we're in a church doesn't mean we're hearing good stuff. There are some people that carry the title of reverend. Man, oh man, they make all reverends look bad. You know what I mean? Sometimes I've heard people in news interviews and his reverend in front of their name, reverend so-and-so. I'm not, it doesn't matter who it is. Just over the years, I hear these different reverends. And I think, oh, please drop that reverend part. That's not at all what the Bible says. I don't know where you're getting this stuff. Second step in building a case. Go ahead, Mike. Second Timothy 4. For a long time is coming when people will no longer listen to the sound to sound or wholesome teachings. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever the itching ears want to hear. Now this is different. The first step is there are just bad teachers. And the second step is there are some people who don't want to hear good teachers. They want to hear whatever they want to hear. They get something in mind. They want to hear whatever makes them feel good. 
whatever they agree with. You know what I mean? You see the difference there? One, there are bad teachers trying to deceive, and one, there are people who are looking for teachers who teach fluff. We're living in an era, I, I think this is the best term I've heard, and it's been out there for some time now, uh, hyper-grace. Anybody heard that, that expression, hyper-grace? And hyper-grace is a, a way of saying, oh, that's all right, God's going to forgive you, that's all right, he loves you. And we teach this, different people will preach a, 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 a message of, that's okay, you can do whatever you want. And that's not at all what the Bible says. There are, there's a right and a wrong. So the hyper-grace perspective takes us away from a wrong, and it only preaches right. And that's not true. Any of you parents know that. Any of you who have ever been a child know that there's wrong. Because your parents would come after you like a war hammer. Right? You know there's wrong. All right, the next one. Galatians 3. How foolish can you be? How foolish can you be? This is a great statement. After starting your new lives in the Spirit, at once we give our life to the Lord, we start our new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? So it starts off in our life as a, as a work of God. Sometimes, for some people, they start doing what they think they should be doing, and they take their focus off what the Holy Spirit's trying to do in them. You know what I'm talking about? You ever known anybody like that? They're so convinced, you know, they, they give their life to the Lord, and then they get this way of following God. Well, God's called me to go to every church I can on a Sunday. I knew a man every weekend went to five different congregations. Why are you going to so many congregations? That was a good question. I asked him, why are you going to so many congregations? Well, it's my job to keep an eye on what's happening in the city. Oh, that's right. Your last name's Holy Spirit. I forgot. That's really a snarky thing I just said. That was not very kind. But you understand what I'm where I'm going with this. The Holy Spirit does something wonderful in us when we give our life to the Lord. And we have to know to let him continue to do his thing in us as we give our life to the Lord. That's very good. You starting to see how this might connect to some of the words this morning? So this is our case. We recognize there are bad teachers. We recognize there are, are times where we might want to go here, whatever makes us feel good. And then, on top of it, we have to be sure not to take ourselves away from what the Holy Spirit started in us. This is our case, our business case. You staying with me? So here's what I'm talking about. This is our case. Do we really know what the Holy Spirit's trying to do in us? Do we know the Holy Spirit's job? That's the question. And again, we're going to let the scriptures just do a lot of our talking today. I can think of nothing. And I've said this before. You know, a preacher has the easiest, the easy, in some ways, the easiest ministry in the whole church. Because all they have to do is get up and read the Bible and they'll be perfect. They're the only ministry that can be perfect in that way. If I just get up and read the scriptures, we're all going to go home better off. But I mess it up sometimes because I say other things. <laughs> you know? All right, number one. Go ahead, Mike. John 16, uh, verse 13. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, this is Jesus saying this, he will guide you into all truth, Full and complete truth. I like this. Is, I wanted to use the amplified version for this, so that's why you see the italics here. He will not speak on his own initiative. 
But he will speak whatever he hears from the Father, the message regarding the Son. He will disclose to you what is to come in the future. He will glorify and honor me because he, the Holy Spirit, will take from what is mine and will disclose it to you. The Holy Spirit is not attention-driven. If we find ourselves in life where we're, we seem to be yearning for some kind of attention for the work that we've done, we probably are not walking in the way the Holy Spirit is moving us. The Holy Spirit, he himself is not attention-driven. Do you remember when you were a child and you would, you know, do you remember, you know, you get mad at somebody in the playground and you would, and that person would be standing next to you, but you would look at somebody else and say, would tell this person I'm mad at them. You know what I'm talking about? Or tell this person, I, you know, they should never do that again. Well, the Holy Spirit, he's kind of that person. He's kind of, now God's not saying he's mad at us, but he's kind of that person. We're from heaven. He's this relay. Okay, I'm going to keep this, I'm going to keep the message moving for you, God. I'm going to keep the message moving for you. And he, what he's, he's, he's keeping quiet. He's passing on just a message from Jesus. It's a great concept. Now, there's more to this than this, but from a high-level perspective, that's really what he's doing. If we find ourselves longing for attention in what we're doing in the kingdom, probably we've stepped out somewhere in something we shouldn't be doing. Yeah. All right, number two. Next, I should say. 1 Thessalonians 5, always be joyful, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. This is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies. Let me just say this. This is really what number two is about. You know, we can stifle the Holy Spirit. He's a very nice fellow. He's very much a gentleman. And we can stifle him. That gentle pinging in our life, sometimes it says, do this, don't do this. If the Holy Spirit's gently trying to nudge us into things, and we can say no, we can tune him out. It is harder to tune out a boss at work than it is the Holy Spirit. Tuning at the Holy Spirit is very, very easy. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Really easy. And if we want to keep our life going this way, remember, we built a case for this. We got to watch out for bad teachers. We got to watch out for uh, not falling a trap of just fluff teachers. We have, to, we have to walk this way with the Holy Spirit. We can't stifle them. This is really big. It's scary to sometimes go with what the Holy Spirit's steering us toward. It's scary. But it's all right. I remember years ago. And my wife and I reflect on this every now and then. Long time ago, I was laid off. The economy took a downturn. I was a, my job was a business casualty of that downturn. And I remember beforehand, the company was talking about the potential for layoffs. And I remember I was a young guy, and I thought, oh, I don't want to get laid off. Well, maybe I do want to get laid off. I didn't really like the job. And so you know, in my mind, I didn't really understand the ramifications, but I wasn't worried about it. And ultimately, when I was laid off, then I got more scared. You know what I mean? And I remember seeking God, and I, just, I was going to be what I was going to be. God was going to do what he was going to do. My job was to try and find a job. His job was to help me get a job. All you got to do is lean in the Holy Spirit. Now, that's one extreme example of a job, but there are all kinds of things in our life. It's just we let the Holy Spirit steer us. If we just lean on him, we're going to get to a good place but we have to lean. Next one. 
John 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is your advantage that I go away, Jesus says. It's your advantage I go away. The helper will not come to you. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me. So Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to go. The helper is going to come and he's going to what? He's going to convict the world. But another thing happens here. He's going to, but I look, uh, because I go to the Father, you will no longer see me. Uh, you will see me no longer. And he's saying, look, the world needs what the helper is going to bring, and the helper is going to do things for you. The Holy Spirit's job, we have to recognize the Holy Spirit's job is to be this helper in our lives, this comfort, this guide. It is his job. His job is not, it is not to ruin us. It is scary sometimes to think of what the Holy Spirit might have for us individually. Very scary. His job is not to ruin us. It is not to leave us abandoned. And it's not to put us in a place that we don't know what to do next. And I, I'm saying this really, frankly, very bluntly, because I've seen people freeze when the Holy Spirit has them do something. But I don't know if I'm ready for that. Well, the Holy Spirit thinks you are. So that means you are. Trust Him. He will not leave us on the vine. We, how many of you have been left hanging from friends? You, you, at some point in your life, you counted on friends and they left you hanging. You know what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit's not those friends. Anybody been, trade, been betrayed by family? Don't put your hand up. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's not that kind of family. He will stay with us. He's going to be working in the world and he's going to be working on us. Next one. Go ahead, Mike. Job. Job says this so well. But he knows where I am going, Job says. When he tests me, I will come out pure as gold, for I have stayed on God's paths. I have followed his ways and not turned aside. But this last sentence is the one I like here. Second, yeah, last sentence. I have not departed from his commands, but I have treasured his words more than daily food. That's the value we are to place on it. More than daily food. More than daily food. If we manage to find time to eat every day, and most of us do, in this country anyway, right? If we manage to find time to eat every day, we must manage to find time to wait on, and to seek out what the Holy Spirit would do, have us do every day. That means staying in the Word. That means having quiet time, not just prayer, but quiet time. More than daily food. Job was a, an exceptionally righteous man. I want to learn from an exceptionally righteous man. I don't want to learn from some schmo that hasn't figured out the Holy Spirit. So I think this is a very good lesson from Job. Amen? Amen. Next one, Mike. Ephesians 4. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with your malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. Okay. I was driving on the road the other day, and this has happened to just about every, everybody with a driver's license here. And you know what I'm going to say. Somebody told me one way. <laughs> I don't even know why they were mad at me. Has that ever happened to anybody? Somebody's mad at you. They're telling you one way. You don't even know why they're mad at you. All of a sudden, they pull up next to the car, and they're telling you something. And you, what did I do? I'm going this way. And you're mad at me over here. And I don't, it happens like that. So somebody was really mad. Give me the one way. 
Well, my knee-jerk reaction is to say, ah, shut up, through the glass. <laughs> right? Nick, can you read those lips? That's usually my thing, ah, shut up. If I live in a place of anger, I'm missing what the Holy Spirit's trying to do. He doesn't want, to live, want me to live in a place of anger, and he doesn't want you to live in a place of anger. If somebody's dwelling in anger, I will tell you, probably they're off kilter with what the Holy Spirit's trying to do. Probably they're missing something. That is not our go-to with the Holy Spirit. He wants us to put that away. Now, okay, all right, I've got to pause here. There is a white elephant in the room on this. We know Jesus got angry. And I've, I've said this, you know, I've talked to people about anger before, and they say, well, Jesus got angry. Well, yeah, he got angry. But if we would consider it and really think about what he's doing, it's a very prophetic moment. It's prophesied that he was going to stand for the house of God. So when Jesus, he you know, he's outside, and here's, here's what's happening. I'm going to pause here to tell you what's happening. In the temple, people were selling animals for sacrifice, and the money changers are doing things. The money changers were really crooks. And I've shared this before. The concept of a money changer was really simple and very bad at the same time. There used to be a small charge to go into the temple to do, temp to do the required religious duties that everybody had to do. Small charge, let's say a half shekel. But it had to be in a specific currency. And back then, the currencies weren't as easy as they are here in America. So they would have this... They would have to transfer their money from whatever region they were in to this specific currency, and there wasn't a lot of those coins in that currency. So what might only be a, just a little half-shekel coin that they need to transfer to could cost them the equivalent of 30 shekels to transfer to that coin. Terrible, right? So they, that, that was a problem for people who were trying to go in and trying to raise money to go in and do their religious duties. And Jesus is outside the temple, and he's making this whip. So we see this intentional effort to go take care of business. He didn't just find a whip. He didn't buy a whip. He didn't borrow a whip. He made it an intentional effort to go in and, and turn tables and get, and get these people out of the temple. So we see a form of anger, but it's built on a righteous stance for the house of God. It's not built on his own wants. Nobody told him one way. That's not what he responded to. He didn't respond because the dinner wasn't ready on time. In other words, people who fight in their home over terrible things, he didn't respond over that. He responded over the house of God. So there's a right type of anger that we saw Jesus do, and then there's some very, very wrong angers, which I think are really easy for us to do. True? We can't let the anger get the best of us. That's a huge guide. It's a huge guide of anger is welling up. Kick back and say, God, I'm feeling really, I'm stewing on some anger here. And the Holy Spirit, I'm, he'll guide us through. Now, my, my last point doesn't have a scripture. It's funny, I said I let the verses talk for us all the way until this last point. I just want to say it. The Holy Spirit is not territorial. There was a time, and, and my dad shared this story years ago. He was on an airplane, and there was a couple, a couple of fellas. There's three guys in a row. And my dad was sitting next to somebody who was flying back to Milwaukee, and he was sitting next to some Milwaukeean who was not a believer. And my dad said, you know, do you know the Lord? And he spends a big chunk of his flight sharing about the Lord. And the man got saved right there in the airplane. A very cool experience, very cool story. Well, the other man 
was quiet the whole time. Remember, there's three people in a row, and none of the guys knew each other before this flight. So this third fellow who was quiet, once this person gives his life to the Lord, this third fellow jumped in and said, oh yeah, I'm a Christian too, you should come to my church. So he lets my dad go through the whole salvation discussion without saying a word, and then he jumps in at the end to recruit the guy to his church. You know, you, you track with that, that's kind of crazy, right? Yes, I can hear you That's kind of crazy. The Holy Spirit's not territorial. He wants his people to follow him, whether it's in Milwaukee, whether it's in Chicago, whether it's in the Philippines, in Israel. He wants us to follow him. There's not a sense of a better church. There's not a sense of a, a better ministry. If ever we're following hard after God, we just let the Holy Spirit do his work in our lives and we pull us up together. We believe, you know, there's different understandings of scriptures, but that doesn't make us better in that sense. And some people live in a better space. They, they try to territorialize what the Holy Spirit's doing. But we don't know uh, that it's not appropriate to, territor you know, to say one thing is better than another. I am very, very fond of this church. This is my favorite church. But I'm not going to say we're better than that church. You tracking with me on this? We can't say we're better than that ministry or that they're better than our ministry. I find those types of things as I consider the Holy Spirit's perspective, they must be highly offensive to the Holy Spirit. He isn't operating better. So I wanted to say that. So that's it. We've got to look for these things in our life with the Holy Spirit. The applicability here is simple. If we want more of what the Lord has for us, we have to look to these things and validate ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Make sense? Yes. Please stand up. Lord God, I thank you for this house. I thank you for the work that you're doing in us. I thank you so much, Holy Spirit. Every day you guide us. Every day. We see it, and I don't think we see even half of what you do. We just thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for my friends here. I pray for blessings on them as we all head into our weeks and the different challenges that life has, but that we can find you, Holy Spirit, find you fresh each day. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance on you and bring you peace. Thank you again for downloading and listening to this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We are located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and if you are looking for a church to call home or would like to visit us for one of our services, please visit our site at gracecf.us for our location and service times. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.